Happy Easter season, and I want to say thank you, Juan, for leading us so very well in worship right now. We just want to say happy Easter season. Yes, Easter is not just a day where we celebrate the resurrection, but it's a 40-day season, and even stretching longer than that, resurrection is a lifestyle of celebrating the risen Lord and partaking part of that life that he has promised us. So we're going to launch a new series today, and our series is called Resurrection Living. And so we're real excited about this series. And so today, the way we want to start off the series is we're going to ask a question, who do you see? And how do you see? And really, it's a a passage that we're going to look at here where we're going to be practicing seeing people the way that Jesus saw people and the way that Jesus sees us. It's a very powerful passage. It's a just a few verses, but it's just power-packed in the way that Jesus sees us and will empower us uh, in the way that we see other people. And that's just a glimpse of what resurrection living looks like as we begin to learn how to see in the way that Jesus sees. So when someone says, I see you, or we see you, it's a way to express gratitude. It's a way to, 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 to say thank you for maybe their efforts or just maybe who they are. And so right now as a church, we just want to say we see you. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am really missing seeing all of you. I, I, I see you virtually. We're on video chats and so forth throughout the week, connecting as a church. But I just miss seeing all of you, and I miss seeing so many other uh, San Franciscans here, one of the most densely populated places on planet Earth. I love all the people here and I miss seeing them. So right from the very top, we want to say as a church that we see you. Leaders such as our governor and our mayor, we see you. It's a way to say thank you. For researchers looking for a vaccine for the COVID-19 pandemic, we see you. Uh, For medical workers, volunteers on the front lines, we see you. Uh, For grocery store workers, restaurant owners, um, thank you and we see you. For students and teachers and professors right now who may be going crazy by spending so much time indoors right now, we want to say we see you. For those crammed up in a small apartment right now and you're feeling like uh, that Star Wars scene, um, they're in the garbage uh, disposal room there where the walls literally are closing in on you in that tight space, we see you. For the homeless, trying to navigate through this very difficult, challenging season, we see you. And for postal workers, delivery people, we see you. Those who have died and those who perhaps uh, are grieving the loss of those who have died during this COVID-19 season, we see you. And for those who are fighting for their very lives right now, we see you. Those who have lost jobs, Those who are losing or have lost marriages during this time, we see you. Friends, family, and churches, all that you're doing and all that you are to try to be with people and just sit with people in their pain and try to motivate people with the hope that we have from Jesus. Friends, family, and churches spread around the globe, we see you and we're grateful for you. So let's 
let me just uh, say, let's see this quarantine time as, as a way to, to practice. It's a way to practice seeing who uh, we see and how we see who we see. So three practices uh, that Jesus is going to teach us today is uh, practicing seeing people who are beautiful and people who are broken or harassed. The second practice is to practice seeing people who are in need of prayer. And the third practice is to practice seeing people who are being brought into God's kingdom and being sent out to bring others into God's kingdom. So why don't we start with that powerful passage I was mentioning. This passage happens uh, prior to Jesus being on the cross and prior to his resurrection. And already in this passage, we're going to see how Jesus sees people. It's recorded for us in the gospel according to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. Very first book of the New Testament there. I'll give you maybe a second or two to, to find that. And I'll start reading that for us. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Let me lead us in prayer as we get started here. Father, God, we just want to thank you for these moments together. And we, we, we thank you for seeing us, not only as beautiful people with gifts and talents and abilities, but Thank you, Jesus, for seeing us as harassed and helpless. And we pray today, after reflecting and even this season of Easter and even a lifestyle of resurrection living, that you would transform the way that we see. Help us see ourselves differently. Help us see one another differently. And help us see others differently. Teach us, King Jesus, the way that you would have us see and we pray in your name. Amen. Well, I'm using this text this morning, Matthew chapter 9, and I'm going to share just a brief portion of my own story. And I apologize for those of you that have heard this part of my story. I know I must share it frequently. So I just want to acknowledge that I know I've shared it before. Uh, but it, it goes without saying that this very passage has had an enormous impact on my life. I've experienced life change and continue to experience life change from these very words of Jesus, this very passage here spoken by Jesus. I remember being a, uh, a much younger man than I am now, and uh, there was uh, a young man that was telling me, as I got to know him, that he was praying for me. He mentioned while we were in college there together that he and another uh, group of people met every Friday morning, and they prayed through Matthew 9. They prayed through this passage. And they prayed, since the harvest is plentiful and the labors are few, that God would send out laborers into the harvest field. This individual who was praying for me ended up leading me to a personal relationship with Christ. Uh, and then he went on to tell me that I was one of those laborers. So um, it's just 
amazing to think about the people who have prayed for me. I'm even thinking about my dear wife, who, uh, as a missionary at my undergrad, where I was attending college, she was there as a missionary, and she too, along with other college students, were praying for non-Christian friends of theirs, like myself, who would become a follower of Jesus, and then be brought into the kingdom and be used in a very powerful and mysterious way to invite others into the kingdom. Where first off, we want to practice seeing people who are beautiful and harassed. And one of the things we are so enamored by whenever we think about Jesus is that Jesus loved all types of people. There wasn't just one race or one socioeconomic uh, status or one type of person that Jesus loves, but Jesus loves people who are broken and who are beautiful. People who are very gifted and, we see from this passage, people who are also very harassed. People want to be seen. That, that deserves an amen, right? People want to be seen. What that really means is people want to be known. And people, uh, we, those people, we want people to know all the different layers that there truly are of ourselves. Not just maybe what is being presented on the outside. People are not just either beautiful or harassed. We are a conglomerate. Our humanity, you, myself, everyone that we know in this world is a conglomerate. We're a mixture. We are a beautiful mess. We are people that, when you think about San Francisco, yes, there are entrepreneurs here. Yes, there are creatives here, risk takers here, smart, intellectual people who are confident people here. I'm thinking of an example of the Golden Gate Bridge that is so historically and I'd even say globally iconic to the risk-taking, entrepreneurial, uh, creative spirit that's here in San Francisco, underscoring just how beautiful people really are and their potential to think of and to make something so strong and powerful, yet we also know about San Francisco. Uh, there's needles. There's needles all over the streets here in San Francisco depicting addiction. There's homelessness. There's human feces on streets here in San Francisco showing us our brokenness, showing us that people are hurting. There's sex trafficking that exists right here in our own city. And I'm sure in your city. Or you might also think of the Golden Gate Bridge, that while it's also beautiful and profound and majestic in all of its beauty, perhaps you also know that there are emergency telephone lines, crisis counseling telephone lines stretched out across the Golden Gate Bridge so that people can call if they're in need. And what I want to say today from our passage here is don't be, when you see people, who seem to have it all together, and you know those people right now, they're coming to your mind, those people who seem to have it all together, don't be intimidated to see beyond what you're seeing regarding those people. Or perhaps whenever you see someone that seems to be so down and out or, or so broken, and you wonder, is there anything else there? Don't be intimidated by what you see. There's always something there. Things are not 
as they appear. People are not as far away from God's grace or God's ability to help them or transform them as it may appear. Verse 35 here, let's get to our text. Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, healing every disease and affliction. Well, right from the top, we're noticing that Jesus is not just a preacher. Jesus is not just an orator. Jesus doesn't just have things to say as a speaking head, giving advice or theological bullet points. Jesus is a person. God is a person being lived out through Jesus. And Jesus isn't just saying things. Jesus is going about to all cities and all villages. And he's healing people. Verse 36, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, I want you to just take some time this week and just try to meditate on that. Just try to sit in that and reflect on what that possibly means that Jesus saw the crowds. It, it means he's a shepherd. It means that he sees people. I watched a very uh, enlightening but also sad documentary called We Were Here. We Were Here. And it depicts the HIV AIDS epidemic here in San Francisco in the 1980s. And in this documentary, it, it goes through and as it's interviewing people who are still um, living through that time. We know many people died because of that epi epidemic, but it was interviewing several people who are still alive, and we got to hear some of their stories. And one of the things I was asking myself, and I think it's even asked in the documentary, while I was watching it, was where was the church? How did the church see those who were suffering and those people who were hurting during that epidemic? What were they doing? And sadly, what we see about the church and about Jesus' followers, or at least professed people claiming to be Jesus' followers, is that they said, God hates gays. That's how they saw those people who were suffering. And for the record, God does not hate gays. God does not see those people then nor now in that way. Well, I want to have a reflection question here for you and for me. How do you order your day? How do you structure your day? And of course, I'm not just referring to COVID-19 season where our days are pretty much structured as they are. But I want you to begin to think about after we get out of quarantine. I want you to begin to think about, and in the future, about how you're going to structure a day so that you can truly see people and how you're going to see those people. Let's do an exercise right now to help get us, uh, get us going. Um, I want you to look to the person to your left or to your right, right now. Just go ahead and look to them. And if you're sheltering in place right now and, and you're by yourself at this point and you're not with others, you, perhaps you just look out the window and see someone out there on the sidewalk, or perhaps you just pick up your phone and go to the photos there and uh, choose a picture where you can see someone right now. Um, for those of you looking to your left or to your right, I'm so happy we're not on Zoom right now so that you can't just tell me exactly what you see. Uh, keep those comments to yourself. But it's very natural for us, whenever we see someone, to have first impressions. First impressions. 
A lot of times um, we size people up, comparing ourselves to the people that we see. And this at times can lead to superiority. You see how pride can begin to enter into the way that we see people, a filter that we place over our eyes, that we're looking through whenever we look at someone and we feel that we're better than they are, that we've made better decisions than they've made. When perhaps it's just privilege that you're living with. Or another way that we compare ourselves, we may feel quite inferior to others. And that affects the way that we see someone. We feel afraid of that person. We feel threatened by that person when we see them. Just simply looking upon them can conjure up these emotions. Sometimes we make fun of the people that we see. Sometimes there's this judgmental assumption that you know someone's story. And I remember my mother, who has quite a beautiful gift of hospitality in the way that she welcomes all types of people. I remember as a little boy, I used to ask her, what helps you love people the way that you do? And of course, she said, Jesus helps me love people this way. But also, she told me, never assume that you know someone's story. Ask questions so that you can truly see those people. Seeing people is listening and investing time to listen, to truly hear their story. Look at verse 36. When Jesus sees people, he has compassion on them because they are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus, this good shepherd, he's moved to compassion and not just there in first century as he's viewing, uh, viewing people then, but he's moved to compassion now. He's moved to compassion now as he sees you and knows your story. Jesus, the good shepherd, overflows with compassion. His heart is literally broken when he sees people. You'll recall after the resurrection, those moments just after the resurrection, and Jesus is already making post-resurrection appearances to his disciples so that he can see them and so that they can see him. And as soon as he sees Mary, he calls her by name. Mary, he calls her. In the most sweetest voice, Mary. He wept. Jesus wept when he saw the city of Jerusalem and all of its aches and pains and all of its longing for a Messiah. He saw Jerusalem and he wept over it. He sweat drops of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane when he saw humanity's sin. When he saw us and what it was going to cost him to redeem us. And compassion is given to people when you and I see people in that way. When we see people who are harassed and helpless, harassed by the fall of humanity, that sin has infiltrated every part, every, literally every part of our humanity. Harassed, the text says. Harassed by what? Harassed by injustice, racism, the classism. Harassed by sickness and disease, COVID-19, cancer, autoimmune systems, etc. Harassed by our willful pursuit 
of sin. Poor choices that leave us hungry, wanting the real thing, wanting joy and peace and true communion with God. Or perhaps harassed by Satan's lying and, and the enemy, the devil, Satan's bullying to us. Tempting us in certain ways where we are promised one thing. And, and, and by the way, your enemy, my enemy, Satan is seeing you as a piece of trash to take advantage of. Seeing you as someone that uh, he's just going to devour. And one of the uh, great things that we can tell that Satan, when we see in our mind's eye, whenever we see him, is go, go talk to my attorney. Go talk to my defense attorney, the Lord Jesus Christ. Quit bothering me. Or perhaps we could say, go to hell where you belong. Jesus here is instructing us in how we see people. He saw them and continues to see them as harassed and helpless. What that means for us is to not see people as objects. To not be on a business call and think, ooh, I wonder what I can get out of this business deal. I wonder how I can use this person right now to get something to my advantage. It means when you walk into the room where your spouse is, or perhaps where your roommate is, or where your child is, or where your parent is, or grandparent is, you begin to see them in a different way. Because of the resurrection, you begin to see them. Jesus is telling us, don't see people as objects. Don't see people as sex objects, but learn from the way that Jesus saw people. Don't see people as political objects to convert. Oh, if I watch the news here, uh, and by the way, a great news channel I think during this time is BBC, helping us see globally what's going on, not just right here in the United States or in our city. But Jesus doesn't want us to see people as political potential political converts, thinking, oh, if, if this person would just become a Democrat, life would be so much better. Or, oh, if this person were to become a Republican or an Independent, they would be so much better off. Jesus is giving us a completely different lens to look through as we see people because of his resurrection. He's also inviting us, don't see people as inferior because of where they come from, because of what's in their story. Do you see yourself as one of those people, those people who are harassed and helpless? We are those people, by the way. Let's move on to the second practice here. The second practice is to practice seeing people who need prayer. Yes, those same people who are beautiful and who are harassed and helpless. We're going to notice here in verse 38 that Jesus prescribes prayer. Jesus does not prescribe anxiety. 
Jesus does not prescribe a to-do list so that we can go and fix people that we see. Jesus prescribes praying for people in the midst of them being harassed and helpless. Verse 38 here where he tells us to pray. Pray to this Lord of the harvest. And we've mentioned this in weeks prior, but it's worth saying it again. But prayer is entrusting. Prayer is whereby a conversation where we entrust our very being, our future, or we entrust someone else to God. We place them under God's care. How much is that influencing how you and I truly see people? Right? There's that first initial reaction that we have of seeing them, whereby we can laugh, we can feel inferior, we can feel superior. And here's another exercise for you. Look back at that same person that I told you to look at in the very beginning, that's to your left or to your right, or there somewhere in your photos. And now, instead of just first impressions that you have about that person, I want you to truly see that person as harassed and helpless in some way. Perhaps beyond your imagination. Perhaps something that they've gone through, suffering, abuse, in their past, or something that they're going through right now, and I want you to see that person in need of prayer. Jesus is Lord of the harvest. Well, what, what, what a wonderful glimpse that we get into seeing who God is here. God is to be seen. God is to be enjoyed, loved. And so might we learn to see this Jesus as Lord of the harvest? Paul, a New Testament writer, writing to a church in the city of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7, he reminds us, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. See, Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. He's the one who makes things grow and helps people grow. It's not you and I being someone's morality cop or policeman, being judgmental on them. But it's entrusting them, praying for them, and seeing people in process. Not sending people through some program that's out there somewhere so that they can get fixed, or not feeling guilt that you need to go through or I need to go through some program so that we can get our act together, but that we're seen by Jesus himself as people going through a process. Might we learn how to see people of going through a process? Who are you praying for? Who are you praying for right now? Who are you praying for? Well, the word prayer partner, or that phrase, uh, hopefully is coming to your mind. We had a challenge that went out to our church about three weeks ago to choose someone in our church and have a prayer partner. And that meant to call them once, twice, three times during the course of that Holy Week and encourage one another with Scripture and to listen to one another and to pray for each other. 
Well, people loved it. And not only was it, was it a challenge by me, but people latched hold of it. People uh, kept saying how much they enjoyed it and how they're being encouraged by that. And so right now, as an exercise, I want you to think about your prayer partner. Yes, that person that you've been calling or video chatting with and praying for them. I want you to, th I want you to see them as a person who's, yes, beautiful and gifted, but also harassed and helpless. Because that's all of us. We're going to get to our third and final uh, practice right now, and that is practice seeing people who are being brought into the kingdom and also being sent out to bring others into the kingdom. Yes, see Jesus sending you and see Jesus sending you and me out, out so that we can bring others in. John chapter 12, verses 24 and 25, Jesus would teach his disciples what kingdom building was all about when he said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, God, the only one who makes things grow, is inviting me and you to lay your life down for others, to invest in the lives of others. Verse 38, he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest. To do what? To send out laborers. That's that part in that prayer. When we pray that, we say, Lord, send me. And of course, we're not praying, Lord, send me because I'm great. Or Lord, send me because I'm the gift to the world or I'm the gift to my friends. But rather, send me, O Lord. You indeed, O Lord, are great. In the midst of my weaknesses, in the midst of me being harassed and helpless, in the midst of society and the world that you're even sending me out to, Lord, you are great. You are great. I love the gospel John writer, how he includes or how he, he shows us how Jesus includes us in this very mysterious process to send us out to be these laborers. I mean, when you think about it, that God, who has had a mission from the very beginning to include all nations, that we would know this God personally who knows us and sees us, that that's been God's mission all along. And then as the New Testament begins to show us that those people who, are, who will be used to, to, to gather others are those same beautiful messes, those same broken and harassed people. I love how John depicts that in chapter 4, the way Jesus saw the woman at the well. And if you go back and read that story, what's profound is after the woman had her experience there with Jesus, with a man who saw her like no one had ever seen her before, who saw and knew everything about her story and yet loved her, it says that she went back to her village and she told others and many in that village believed and became followers of Jesus because of her testimony. It's profound. It's beautiful. 
the way that Jesus incorporates her. John chapter 10, Jesus is saying, I'm the good shepherd. Those of you who are my sheep, you hear my voice, you come, you follow. Yet, Jesus promises, I have other sheep. They will hear my voice, and they too will come and follow me when they hear me through your words. Speaking to his present-day disciples. And then perhaps as a climax, John chapter 17, where Jesus is praying there in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he's arrested and betrayed, he prays not only for his present-day disciples then in the first century, but he says, I pray not only for those who believe in me now, but I pray for those who will believe in me and become followers of me through their message. There's sort of an adventure label here. There's an adventure label attached to these verses. I wouldn't call it a warning label. I would call it an adventure label. If you read on past Matthew chapter 9, where we're at today, and Matthew chapter 10, these same disciples who begin to pray this prayer are the ones that the Lord of the harvest begins to send out to bring in other laborers. They're catapulted out, not in their own strength, as we'll be seeing weeks from now as this series unfolds. But it's resurrection living. It's it's the power of the resurrected Christ who carries out this mission. The adventure label that in Matthew chapter 10, the very ones learning to pray this prayer that laborers would be sent out. They themselves are sent out. In conclusion, one final exercise about learning the process of seeing. In summary, learning this process of seeing. See how God sees us. Step number one, see how God sees us. Take today, the Sabbath day, a day of resting, a day of reflection, and think and meditate and celebrate how God sees you. You and I have different things that come up into our mind whenever we look into the mirror. Again, superiority or inferiority. But we need to see ourselves the way that God sees us. That's step number one. I'll attach a verse here from Exodus chapter 3. Those people, God's very people, who were slaves, crying out, wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard. Does anybody see me? Does anybody see my story and care? In Exodus chapter 3, we see that God saw them. We see that God sees the story and is aware of the story. Exodus chapter 3 says, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have not forgotten. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. I will rescue them. Step number one, God sees you. Step two, see yourself as fully known fully loved, fully accepted and forgiven of all of your sins forever. 
Step three, see people the same way that Jesus sees you. Don't see them as just on the outside or someone who's struggling way too much for us to dare enter in. No. See those people who are struggling, who are uh, apparently looking like they're on the outside. See those people the way that Jesus would see them. See those people who look all together, not as people who don't have any troubles, but see those people also as being harassed and helpless. And because of resurrection power, begin to enter into their story instead of feeling inferior to those type people. Well, I alluded to it, and here is one final exercise for us. Don't look to the person to your right or to your left. Don't look to pictures there on your phone, but we're going to look straight at the Lord Jesus, and we're going to pray to the Lord of the harvest. Look at Jesus intently right now, and we're going to pray, Lord, send me. Let's pray together. Dear King Jesus, help us see you, the resurrected King, as the only one who truly sees us and knows us and truly accepts us and understands us. Help us see ourselves as those beautiful and harassed people. Help us see others all around us who are harassed and helpless, who are in need of you, Jesus, the Good Shepherd. We pray to you, the Lord of the harvest, to send us and others out as laborers into your harvest, not because we're great, but because you are great. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.